Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Equipped, Bruised, and Tired podcast. My name is Bryce Krawchuk, and I'm here with Ryan Stinn. And today we're going to do a little bit of an introductory episode and talk a bit about why we are here, why we're talking to you guys and what we have to say. Uh, We're hoping to have some awesome guests, a few of whom are already lined up. Um, But for today, we're just going to kind of dive into things, give a bit of an expose on the two of us and uh, why we might be interested in hosting an equipped powerlifting podcast and why you might be interested in listening to it. Um, So to start off with, um, obviously, we're in a bit of an unprecedented situation with a lot of training. Uh, I know Ryan and I spoke last week, probably not a lot of equipped training going on uh, in (laughs) in a lot of the basement gyms and stuff like that. Um, So... I guess before we even get into that, Ryan, maybe just give us a little bit about yourself um, and a, a brief introduction and sort of some of your, uh, maybe some of your accolades in lifting. Sure. Yeah. Accolades sounds pretty uh, fancy, but um, <laughs> I started lifting back in 2005. That was my first powerlifting meet. Um, I actually started lifting at a gym like maybe two years before that um, and kind of started getting into powerlifting in 2004. We kind of met up with uh, Jeff Butt and Rhea Fowler at the time. Now my wife, Rhea Stin. Um, Ryan Fowler, they had a small crew that trained together at the gym we were at. And um, my buddy started powerlifting. Or my buddy bought a uh, an Inzer Blast bench shirt. And if anyone actually knows what that is, I, I feel bad for you. But <laughs> So he bought this shirt and kind of forced me to put it on him. And then eventually uh, he benched 315 with his shirt on and... Uh, and he was so pumped about it because he was about 80, 80 kilos at the time. And uh, Ryan Fowler walks by at this public gym and goes, wouldn't have counted in a meet. <laughs> <laughs> and that was basically like our introduction to Ryan Fowler. So um, so that's how we kind of started in it. Uh, in 2005, I did my first meet. It was actually a Western Canadians because back then you could just do Westerns for your first meet. Yeah. Um, and uh, powerlifting was equipped back then, right? So the introduction to it was lifting in gear. Um I did my first meet with a squat suit, knee wraps, bench shirt, and then I deadlifted completely raw. Didn't wear a belt back then because I couldn't, didn't think I'd get in a good position with a belt. So, um, 2005 I started and then, um, 2008 was my first international meet. I competed at, uh, in Newfoundland at open worlds, um, and placed, I don't even know, I think sixth there. No, probably long, lower than that. Uh, no, I went sixth. There was quite a few notable bomb outs that year at, uh, at Open World. So, uh, and then I've competed, I want to say, maybe 10 times at Open World since then. Um, in 2009, I kind of hurt my back pretty bad. And that put me at the wayside for a few years. Um, and then I came back. I started going back in 2012 when Raw was starting to come out. So I kind of used raw to build back up to um, decent numbers before getting back into gear. And then uh, in 2015, I set my best total for quite a few years. I, I totaled 1,003, and I was the second person in Canada to uh, hit that 1,000 kilo total. In modern times, there's uh, an old-time lifter um, who had done it back in the early 80s, I want to say. Um, but uh, he had hit 1,000 exactly, I think. And, uh, if I could think of his name, uh, I'll, I'll spit it out there, but, um, yeah, so 2003, I hit in 2015 and then had a few years of, of back issues again. And then 2000, last year, 2019, I, I beat that again with 
1017 at Worlds and then just this year at uh, Nationals, I, I really jumped ahead at uh, 1067 and a half. So yeah. it's kind of a bit of a um, quick rundown of, of the highlights. Sweet. So 10 open Worlds, hey? I think so. Uh, 2008, we skipped 2009, um, skipped 2010. I think that was uh, India and South Africa. Okay. 2011, uh, we went to juniors. Uh, we hosted juniors that year, sorry. Uh, and then went to Pilsen for Open. So 2008, 2011, 12. We did 12 in Puerto Rico, 13 in Norway, 14 in Denver, um, 15, I think, was in Luxembourg, that, and we skipped it. Oh, no, 16 was Orlando, right? Yeah, 15 was Luxembourg, we skipped it. 16 was Orlando, 17 in Pilsen, uh, Pilsen again, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 18 in Sweden, which I didn't lift at, but I attended and helped coach Ray and stuff. And then um, 19 last year in Dubai. So, yeah. yeah. So you've been around seeing some things? I've been around a few years, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's uh what what are some of like your favorite or some of the craziest things you've seen at an open worlds competition? Cuz I imagine that's a, like a pretty there's probably some pretty interesting stories in there somewhere. Um like besides incredible lifting, seeing incredible lifting like you know seeing Carl Inger Christensen who Oof, lots of people yeah. won't even know at this point maybe um in 2014 Denver where he totaled um the world record he squat I want to say 492 and a half but it might have been 490. Uh, and everyone, everyone kind of wanted him to go 500 or everyone expected him to, but I think the bar whip was, he wasn't, he couldn't control it well enough. So they went 492 and a half and, um, yeah. So watching him lift that year was pretty amazing. He was definitely at the top of his game at that point. And then yeah. that was basically the end of his career. I don't know if he really competed much after that. Um, yeah. and, uh, but seeing some of the crazy bombs throughout the years has always been uh, interesting. Um, yeah. Twenty, and again, twenty fourteen in Denver, Joe Capolino, um, who went through three bench shirts trying to get a bench in, um, actually four, I think, because he blew his shirt on his opener, put a shirt on, put a backup shirt on that had a hole in the shoulder, mm. so he went out for a second, couldn't touch, and they came back and said he couldn't wear that shirt because it had a hole in it, so he ran over to the Titan table and stole, he'd been wearing a Inzer bolt and that was his backup shirt too. They ran over to the Titan table, grabbed a katana or it's like a super katana, threw that on and while they're pulling it on, they tore it. So they tore a hole in it again. So they tore that one off and they didn't have any more katanas that fit them. So they ran over to the Inzer table and got like a Rajax who was the only shirt they had in the building basically that fit them. So he ran back and put that on and, uh, he touched his third and I want to say he got about halfway up before he had no gas left. That was probably one of the most um, intense attempts. Man, that's at, like, crazy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, it's it's always interesting going into worlds. There's always such crazy lifting and such you know big um, events like that, like bomb outs that you don't expect. Like in 2008, my first year, uh, I want to say there was three or four major bomb outs in the supers that kind of allowed me to play so high in my first year, but. Um, yeah, Brian Siders bombed out that year. Uh, another name a lot of guys won't know this this around anymore, but uh, he was the the total world record holder for. He probably held it for <laughs> a long time. Actually, I, I might guess his might even be a retired record when they changed the weight classes. 
potentially. I don't, I don't sure. know if anyone actually beat his record before they were, they changed it in 2011. So, yeah, that's cool. I think that like, I think that kind of epitomizes what I love and what I, I sort of like was drawn to with equipped lifting, and that's just like riding such a fine line with things to where you're pushing everything to its absolute max capacity. You know, you're trying to get as much out of your suit, as much out of your shirt, as much out of, and you see guys going that extra little bit. And it's, this is beyond anything that I would do in a, in a meet or I'm capable of doing yet. But, um, I watched this video of, uh, of Semenyenko the other day and then how aggressively they're jacking down his shirt and like his whole pecs are out of the collar of this low cut katana and the, the, the sleeves are about this long because mm-hmm. they've pulled the shirt down so far. And it's just like, <clears throat> I don't know, man, it's, it's cool. It's like just revving a muscle car into the red for nine full lifts. And it's just like, if nothing gives, it's going to be a hell of a show. And if something d- does give, it's probably going to be terrifying. Yeah. It's kind of the interesting thing about, and, and why like I still keep getting drawn back to equipped is that it's so much more nerve wracking, right? Like oh. you're, you're riding this fine line of, um, I want to open conservatively, but if I open too conservatively, I can't touch or I can't get depth, right? So, um, so you're opening with something that probably makes you a little bit uncomfortable, um, and yeah, so that uh, the the nerd or the the weight off the shoulders that you get from after the first attempt when you get it in, like it's just it's uh, it's probably the best feeling in the world. Maybe that's why I keep chasing it. <laughs> yeah, but that's fair. But yeah, no, that's that's the that's the thing about equip lifting is is just how how much. Um, more nervous energy you carry through it i think and not to say that you, you don't get the raw right because i mean you definitely do especially competing at high levels mm-hmm. which you would know more about obviously um but yeah it's just that uh that's fear i think <laughs> yeah seriously um i think my, my first lift back to raw after competing full equipped was just like you're kind of sitting around and you're like okay well yeah, I guess I'm ready for my next squat. I'll uh, do up my belt and um, I'll stand over here for a bit and uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll chalk my hands and yeah, no, I still got uh, 30 seconds left. I'll just, uh, I'll wait and okay, bar's <laughs> loaded. Here we go. You know, it's just like, it's a totally different thing. And I've been in that situation a few times where it's like bar's loaded. You only got one knee wrapped and it's like, let's and go everybody's screaming and it's just like yeah. like a pit crew you know what i mean like i don't know it's it's a different different type of lifting there's a lot of different intensity to it i think um so yeah i i certainly appreciate that um and and that's definitely something that's that's drawn me into the sport in a, in a big way yeah so i mean that's that's the thing like you'd probably be one of the i would say one of the most successful raw lifters that kind of ever transitioned over to equipped and how did you first kind of get drawn into it? Like I, you know, you, you were, you placed second in 2015, 2016, yeah. 2016. Okay. In um, Texas. In Texas. That's right. I, I get those years kind of mixed up, but so you play second classic, uh, and then your first equipped worlds was 2017. Uh, yep. Yeah. So what yep. was the what was the transition? What what kind of pulled you through to the other side? So I think it was it was when I was prepping for 2016 Worlds that my hip really started acting up, and that was a big a big factor in my change of focus. 
Um, that combined with, I think it was like April that year uh, of 2017, uh, maybe a little earlier, maybe February, but we held an APU uh, coaching summit and Shane Martin gave a presentation about equipped lifting and he brought his, his now wife, uh, Danny, right? Yeah. Up and uh, like stuffed her into a suit right then and there. And, uh, <laughs> and showed us like a cool slideshow with a bunch of like crazy lifts from worlds and videos and stuff. And was just like, this is equipped lifting. Don't you guys think it's sweet? And I was just watching this and all of a sudden the gears started turning. So I asked Shane a few questions about it afterwards. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, just from there ordered my first few pieces of equipment and was like, I'm going to do this. It looks like a lot of fun. And my first, um, you know, when I, when I first started getting into the suits and stuff, I would lift equipped and I never got any of that same hip pain. So that to me was a big sort of persuasion towards that side of, of being like, okay, well, I can still push this like really hard and my numbers are as big or slightly bigger, you know, than they were raw. Uh, the bench shirt was the bane of my existence for a long time. Um, starting, starting to come around on that a little bit. Um, but yeah, like squatting was probably equipped squatting was probably the biggest thing that that just made me fall in love with it. There's it just so much going on and so much pressure and the knee wraps and the straps and you know, if you can walk it out and stand it up, that feeling of hitting it just right out of the bottom and having some weight that's just you know, you never thought you'd even put that on your back and all of a sudden you're like pop just like mm. pop it back up. There's just nothing nothing like that. <clears throat> yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think Squatting has always been my favorite lift, um, so I, I definitely understand the the feelings you're you're sharing with that. And I think I think part of part part for me is that uh, squat has so many components to it with their knee wrapping timing and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. there's so much um, there's that like initial pain of getting your knees wrapped that kind of like amps you up. It's not yeah. quite ammonia, but it's kind of ammonia ish, right? Like uh, yeah, it's, it's on par with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I definitely understand what you're saying with that. So you found that uh, lifting in the suit just basically got rid of your hip pain? So I was able to lift in the suit without pain. It was still there raw, so it didn't like fix anything. Right. But it kind of presented me a workaround. So, you know, I didn't feel so bad if I went in and squatted 170 on my raw day because I was squatting, you know, 310 for reps on my equip day. So right. in my head, I was still kind of able to feed the ego or whatever, you know, whatever it is that makes you feel like you want to put more weight on the bar. You know, that that inner meat, inner meat head that we all have, um, you know, what, whatever that might be. It, it helped me kind of like assage that while I dealt with my hip and really deloaded and really slowly worked my way back up, which, you know, now it's much, much less of a problem. So. I think overall, even for my raw career, I think getting into equipped was a big thing for me. Right. That's interesting because it's pretty similar to a story that um, I guess we'll have in the future here. Um, Blaine Sumner has about uh, his his back and hip pain. Um, you know, he has uh, he has issues with his labrums, I think hip labrums, and the suit kind of does does a lot of the same thing for him, allowing him to squat squat He's heavy had without pain. What five labrum tears or something like that? I'm not I don't even sure. know. Like, yeah, I think I've seen him post about about them a few times. Maybe heard an interview with him at one point, but we'll yeah. we'll ask him when we got him on here. 
Yeah, for sure. It's just interesting. That's it's definitely like I, I always kind of figured that the push into equipped from classic lifters might be more of a I my progress slows down classic, so I kind of mm-hmm. want to push into equipped as a as an outlet for that meathead, right? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to hear it as a, kind of like a workaround for injuries, allowing you to also push ahead while still fixing the the initial injury as well. Yeah, I think for me it was a lot of both. Like my my progress was beginning to slow, and whether that was mostly due to the hip injury or what, uh, I didn't. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Who know, who knows if I had gone a different route, right? Um, but I definitely did notice. Like, okay, my first session. 310 felt really hard or whatever I ended up squatting my first session. I don't know. And then, you know, two, three months later, I'm squatting 340, 350 and it feels easier. And that's just, that's like, that's a huge jump, right? And it's, it's more just me learning to use the equipment, becoming a little bit more confident, wrapping my knees tighter, you know, that kind of a stuff. Um, and, and probably adapting in terms of the strength curve of that, you know, being able to push through that top end a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it was definitely like much quicker progress than I was used to. It felt good to be a bit of a novice at something again. Um, cause with the other lifts, you know, there's not much I I'm tweaking with my technique and my raw lifts. Like it's, it's pretty much what it is and it's there and it's good. Like, you know, I don't really need to make many changes, but with the equipped stuff, I had no idea what I was doing. So every session I was trying different stuff and sometimes it would hit just right. And you know, it would, it would make a huge difference. Yeah. I think that's, part of the interest with gears, how much you can tweak and change. And, um, you know, you wear your, your suit legs a little lower one week or you tighten the straps up a little more or you yeah. twist the sleeves or untwist sleeves or pull the sleeves lower, pull a chest panel down. And, and it's, it's partly that, that makes it so, uh, interesting, especially when you're, you try and get everything a little variable, right. And then you go to a meet and you're like, well, I sure hope I get all those variables right because otherwise I'm pretty screwed. Yeah. So yeah, like the uh, the third attempt shirt change at nationals there. Yeah, I mean, and, and high risk, high reward. Yeah, and I think it's it's uh, that's a perfect example because in the the gym I basically figured out that with to make that shirt even get close to touching and and working, I had to pull sleeves up as high as I possibly could, which is not how I wear any other shirt, right? Like mostly I leave my sleeves nice and low and. Uh, and get a lot of sleeve pop. But with that shirt, the chest panel just that much tighter that I have to pull the sleeves up as high as I can. Otherwise there's no way I was gonna get to my chest. Interesting. So, so I mean, I guess going back into where we kind of started this whole thing, um, with this sort of, well, with this, this pandemic upon us, uh, right now, how did, how has that shifted your, um, your goals or your training or cause I know world games has been postponed a year now. That's, I mean, that's obviously a big thing for, um, maybe a lot of equipped lifters listing. Uh, so, you know, like what, how, how have you shifted your training or even your mindset in regards to that kind of stuff? Um, I think, uh, with the world games being postponed now, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. And the IPF hasn't really spoken out yet at this point when we're recording, if they're going to change their plans for, and um, qualifications, I assume that they'll just push qualifications back a year. You would think, yeah. But they haven't said anything yet. So assuming that this year North Americans is no longer a qualifier, if that even happens, like North Americans is scheduled for late July, late I think. July, yeah. Um, what, I mean, I don't know at this point what the odds of that even happening would be. So um, before Nationals, I had, it was probably one of the, 
the worst preps mentally for me. I really was not into it. Um, I was, and I think a lot of it comes down to, even though I've done this for 15 years, a lot of uh, competition anxiety. I get yeah. terrible competition anxiety. And a lot of that is to do with um, uh, bombing. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't have exactly the uh, most stellar reputation for nationals in the past, both uh, 2016 um, no, 2017, 2017. and 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Cause 2017 I, was my first equipped nationals. And I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So 2017, I bombed in the bench at nationals. My first bomb out ever. I'd, I'd never bombed before that besides in a bench only, mm-hmm. uh, at my first nationals actually. So, um, but, uh, so bombed in 2017 in Quebec, um, some unfortunate stuff happened there. I don't want to get into rehashing some some bad feelings but yeah yeah um open and those then, old wounds <laughs> and then 2018 in calgary um i was actually having issues with my right elbow um i had some osteophyte growth in it and i couldn't reach very good extension anymore so i i knew i had some some chance about getting called for not being locked out mm-hmm. so um 2018 I'd come in and I, you know, my goal was to put a big bench and I opened the heavies that were opened and, uh, but I just didn't get a lift in that day. So I've kind of bombed two nationals in a row, which puts a lot of uh, anxiety in you. And then yeah, in 20, 2017 at World Games, I missed my first two squats, uh, almost bombed. And then at Worlds that year, I missed my first two squats and almost bombed. So... I think it's all led to a lot of anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I've I've kind of uh, increased my hit rate on squats now. I'd uh, my say, last, yeah. I think my last three meets, I've gotten every squat attempt I've done. So, um, changed the way I squat. I started squatting like a high bar or like a medium to high bar position, yeah. uh, allowing me to kind of stay more upright and kind of drive into the hole. Um, and that seems to have helped my my squat a lot. So, and then bench. Um, training was pretty terrible going into it. So it didn't help my mental state. So all that said, uh, I was really mentally drained going to nationals. and I didn't really want to compete. I didn't want to do North Americans. Um, so right now, if I don't have to do North Americans, because it's not going to be a qualifier in any way then I yeah. probably won't. Um, I think, uh, I, I need the time to kind of I would like to do some some raw training and kind of work on some raw strength again. Yeah. But uh, just let some nagging injuries from all the equipped work kind of subside, hopefully. So, um, and then the goal will be to compete in um, Norway if that again happens. Uh, we would we did Norway in 2013. It's a beautiful country, and I'm excited to go back. So hopefully that doesn't get canceled. But kind of see. Uh, luckily, we own a lot of equipment, so. We're able to set up a, a gym in our in our garage, mm-hmm. um, so we're we're still able to train pretty well. But at this point, we're just kind of doing raw stuff to to get through. I don't know about gear. I'm always nervous. I, I'm not a you know I'm the kind of guy like I'll squat with two spotters that I trust. I'm I'm okay with that. But squatting like once it's just me and Raya, I, I don't know if I want her to spot me. Right? There's right. there's little she can do. <clears throat> more likely just two people get injured if something happens. So right. uh, we have some big safeties and, you know, we can get by with that. But um, so it'll probably be kind of raw until we can get training in a group again, um, which is okay. I think it's it's important to, yeah. to take the time to, to work on raw stuff too. What yeah. about you? 
Uh, I think I'm in the same spot. I'll probably try to use some of this time to fill up the weight class a little bit. Um, I still, I think I came in at World or at Nationals at 116, 116, 117. So I have a little bit of growth um, up to sitting a little more in like the mid 118s right now and feeling pretty good about that, like feeling okay with body composition. Um, so yeah, I put on a couple more kilos try to hammer away at the raw lifts a little bit. My raw deadlift is feeling great right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, if I could hit some raw PRs over the next little while, uh, even just like rep PRs or RPE, E1RM PRs, uh, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be totally happy with that. Put on a few more kilos and, you know, make my bench shirt a little tighter for the next time I get back into it. Right. But similar to you, I mean, competition wise, um, <clears throat> My really my only reason for wanting to go to North Americans was to try to qualify, right? Get that sort of extra insurance. Um, you know, just banking on podiuming at, podiuming at Worlds is, is is tough. You can't just like, yeah, no, I'll just podium at Worlds. It's all good. <laughs> like, mm, yeah, there's know, two man. people that can say that, but you know, yeah, not, not yeah. too many can kind of. Yeah, exactly. Bank I, don't, on I don't think I'm quite there yet. Um, so yeah, uh, with that not happening, um, also really hoping to go to Norway. Uh, I know my wife, Selena, and I uh, were really hoping and and looking forward to that as as a vacation as well as anything else. You know, just like going and experiencing the um, the 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 place and and taking it all in and taking some time and touring around and doing all that kind of stuff. So hopefully that still happens. And if not, um, 2021 is in Ukraine. So I, I've wanted to go to the Ukraine for a long time. Um, I, my, my roots, my roots are there. Um, I don't speak the language. I don't have any clue of the culture, but, uh, I know I'm partly Ukrainian and I know there's a hell of a lot of strong lifters from there. So I don't know. I think the, I think the last name gives it away a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All the chucks and skis. Yeah. Yeah. The single vowel in, in eight letters. <laughs> yeah. This is consonant yeah, it's, soup. It's, it's interesting. I've never in all my years, there's never been a meet in Ukraine or Russia that, well, I guess, like, uh, was it 2013 Raw Worlds was in Russia? Mm, that sounds about right. Yeah, that was um, a little before my time. But, like, never been really an opportunity to go to either of those countries, and so it's kind of interesting to see it there next year. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be cool. Sure. Um, so... For you, Ryan, like you, so you previously held the biggest total in the CPU, um, and then I broke that, and then <laughs> and I will say you were coaching me when you you did it, and then you coached me like the next day and held me back on my deadline. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I definitely. I asked you. I asked you if you wanted to go for that. What was it? Three thirty-seven and a half. You would have needed. Uh, maybe even a bit more. I might even need because you were ten thirty. Yeah, I think I would have needed three forty. I think three forty. Yeah, I asked so, you if you wanted to put it on the bar. I, yeah, I know. I I gave you the option. I did but... not. I did not. <laughs> um, but anyways, you've you so you've come back now from that thousand seventeen, uh, which was I believe your previous big to- biggest total, or you hit a thousand twenty at Worlds in Dubai. Thousand seventeen. Yeah. Thousand seventeen was in Dubai. Okay. Um, and then now a thousand sixty five. Sixty seven. Sixty seven and a half. Sorry. Um, at nationals and like, so obviously you've been in equipment a long time. Um, you know, that, that 2017 was the highest you had pushed your PR, 
Um, and previous to that, I think you said it was, it was a number of years prior, your previous yeah, total PR, right? Yeah. Um, so like obviously you've seen yourself evolve as a lifter and, and for somebody who has competed for as long as you have, what do you think contributed to that recent sort of surge in, in your performance and in your growth as a lifter? Um, and where do you think, you know, like where did all that come from and are you going to just total 11 then 1200 right away or like what's what's going on you got another 60 kilos in there uh, i guess see if i have a smaller bench shirt to squeeze into for my third attempt <laughs> that was that was a big part of it um yeah you know i think it was about a 30 kilo meat pr in the bench um i had done 325 in training right before my elbow surgery in 2018 mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but the most i ever done on the platform was 300 um so you know, doing a, a nice YOLO third attempt bench that I needed to make to kind of stay competitive with, with Eric, obviously. Yeah. Um, Eric pushing me to actually try real hard uh, right. helped. Um, so, you know, I think uh, good consistent training, though. I think working with Mike Tashir now um, for almost oh, close to a year, um, uh, I started working with him kind of initially to kind of learn the, the system uh, he uses. And, uh, it just kind of felt really good. Um, I do significantly less work than I used to do in a program uh, and, but it seems to work for me. Mm-hmm. So maybe that says something about my work capacity. I, I don't know. Or maybe it's my age, maybe one or the other, um, being 38 now. So I think, uh, I think Mike's been a really good fit, uh, in that regard. So it's, it's kind of allowed me to not beat myself up as much throughout the week. So I can mm-hmm. come into my, my main sessions, you know, my competition session is a little fresher and that's right. kind of allowed me to push things a little harder. Um, deadlift, uh, is coming back. My best deadlift ever was 337, no, 338 in 2015 when I set that, that first, uh, thousand okay. kilo total. Yeah. Um, and then I had a big hip injury that nagged me for a number of years, um, really until my elbow surgery in 2018. Um, and then I, Stopped doing sumo for almost a year there and just pulled conventional, trying to give it some time to recover. I don't know if I have a hip labrum issue or what it was. I can never really track anything down. No one gave me any good ideas. So yeah. I just uh, pulled conventional for almost a year, and that seems to have helped it. Uh, so I, I can now pull sumo again without pain, and I'm now getting back to close to pulling a, a PR deadlift. So I'll be excited when I, I can finally do that again. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think it's kind of been all three lifts are kind of doing good at once, which is not always the case, and especially no. in equipment, it seems. Um, so, you know, I think looking at my numbers, uh, I only did two squats at nationals, which was a, a strategic move, knowing that right. um, with uh, two small flights, what we, I think we had like seven and eight. Um, yeah, yeah. By the so, time bench rolled around, I think we had even less. Or by the time deadlift rolled around, we had... Five yeah, you guys had some bombs. Yeah, exactly. So, but to follow, <clears throat> I mean, to follow myself seven minutes later in squats, um, or even less, I don't even know how long the actual time frame was, but mm-hmm. I, I came off of my second one and I was, I said like, I'm done. Like <laughs> I was so tired. I didn't have <laughs> anything left in me and I just wanted to get out of the suit and, and start warming for bench. But so I think there's more there on squats. So I don't want to say I'll total 1100, like it would be, that'd be a, a lifetime goal for sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we can hope, sure. you know, it's, uh, it's, 
I'm, I'm next year, I turned 39 this year. So next year I turn 40 and I'm a master one, right. which is uh, exciting for me because I don't have to compete with the young guys anymore. Um, but also exciting because, uh, you know, the master one total record, world record is 1062 and a half. So, right. um, you know, if I can just hold my peak now, I will, yeah. uh, I can, I can go after that next year. And actually next year, uh, master one worlds are actually in Newfoundland. Where, oh, sweet. I did, where I did my first world. So it's kind of an uh, interesting um, wow. yeah. rhyming, as, as they might say. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of excited for next year. Uh, not that I'm looking past this year, but uh, it's interesting to to have next year coming up and hopefully maybe put a, a big total in a, in a Master 1 category. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd, I'd like to see the 1100 fall, man. Has it, nobody in Canada has done 1100 yet, right? No, no, and now it's now it's a three dog race to, to see who gets there first. I guess the last yeah. time there was a thousand kilo total race was me and Alex Bardell in two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay, and, uh, and then I hurt myself and he beat me to it. So uh, okay, I don't know. Maybe maybe I can win this one, but we'll see. You two are you two gain strength way too fast. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. Speaking about nationals, um, nationals, you hit. Uh, what would be, I assume, a very big milestone for you, a 400 kilo deadlift, which I know you've been chasing for a number of years. Yeah. And you also did a 400 kilo squat, which is, you know, pretty crazy. You, you see a lot of good deadlifters that oftentimes that's all they are good for, right? right. So to do a 400 and a 400 and a meet together is pretty rarefied. I think uh, we had chatted on Instagram about this. Yeah. There might have been two or three other people in the IPF to ever have done such a thing. Yeah, I think it was... It depends on this, like what kind of search you use, whether it's like all drug tested federations, because if it's all drug tested federations, I think there's like seven or eight. Um, and if it's just the IPF, yeah, I think it's like five ish. I want to say right. who've done it before. So, so I guess how did, how do you feel? How, how, how do you feel coming off of nationals with those big milestones? <laughs> uh, pretty damn good, man. Um, I definitely, I never thought that I would squat 400 before I would bench 400. I mean, just chronologically, that's kind of how bench it worked out. Or sorry, deadlift 400. I don't <laughs> I like think I'll bench ever bench 400. 400. <laughs> yeah, so would I. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, like I didn't, honestly never thought that my squat would kind of take off to that level. Um, even in the equipment, I just didn't really... I hadn't been gunning for 400 necessarily. It just got to a point where I was like, yeah, it's there. Like I'm going to squat 400 soon just because of how training was going and how things were feeling. Um, but the 400 dead deadlift was, yeah, I chased that one for a long time and was close uh, a couple of times and probably had it in me a couple of times and didn't load it. Um, like maybe even world's 2017. Right. It might've been there. You know, I, I pulled 390 or 391 very handily. Um, and then just set it down before they allowed me to set it down. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was, that was a big deal for me. Like, uh, that was, a uh, something that I chased for a long time and put a lot of stock in and put a lot of energy and thought and nervous energy into, you know, heading into the meat. Um, but it was one of those things, you know, by the time, by the time my second deadlift hit the floor, I, just, I like I knew that it was gonna it was it was happening that day. Um, I, I like I didn't sit down between attempts because number one there were four lifters in our flight or whatever, but <laughs> number two I was just like I was amped. I was standing there bouncing, just like bouncing off the walls the whole time because I knew I knew that it was gonna go that day. Right. So 
Yeah, it was pretty cool. I feel good. So with that monkey off your back, uh, having chased it for a couple of years now, like, do you think, do you think it will, your deadlift will just kind of sore now? Like you think you've been kind of mentally limited by <laughs> that artificial, uh, wall? I think a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that I like, I don't know if I'd use the word sore, but I think there's more in there. Uh, I think with how my raw deadlift is going right now, uh, I think that I'm like getting more and more used to being the size that I am now. Uh, and I think it's actually a benefit. I think it's actually a big benefit, uh, in terms of just overall strength being stronger. Um, I had to adapt some things in my technique with, you know, with not being able to get into the same position I maybe once did. Um, and, and sort of maybe figure out a bit of a different way to train. I think a little bit of a lower deadlift frequency, a little bit of a lower average intensity, uh, I think are things that help me, uh, with my deadlift right now and things that have helped my deadlift start moving again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously my, the next big thing is that, that 420 that Christoph pulled, right? You know, 420.5 is a number that, uh, that I've been thinking about and, you know, maybe even 425 or whatever, but that's, uh, you know, that's the biggest deadlift in the IPF as far as I know. Um, and, uh, it's the world record in my weight class. So it would be cool to, uh, to hit one of those or to hit another one of those, I guess. But yeah. So kind of circling back to the weight gain and do you think that was a big factor with your squats? Oh yeah. Big time. <laughs> big Cause time your best squat, sure. your best squat at 105 was 367. Is that right? Um, that sounds about right. Maybe 372. Okay. Yeah, maybe three set. No. Yeah. Anyways, they're within five kilos of each other. It was somewhere in there. Right. Um, yeah, so gaining weight, definitely both my raw and equipped squat feel infinitely better. Um, just, yeah, bigger, a little bit more bounce off of in the bottom, feel a little more stable under the bar. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people experience, right, is gaining weight is typically something that will help your squat. Right. Yeah. And not usually your deadlift, but it hasn't seemed to have in, in, hindered your deadlift quite as much. Yeah. Then that was, a, I guess, a big concern when I first moved up and was like, uh-oh, you know, especially in my suit because my suits weren't fitting quite right. And I wasn't sure, you know, how I wanted to wear my suit. I had only ever used one deadlift suit for like the entirety of my deadlifting career. Um, and then moving up, I got a custom suit and then another custom suit and one with longer legs and one with shorter legs and tighter straps and looser straps and tried out all this stuff and was kind of just like a bit of analysis paralysis trying to figure out what I needed. And it, it took a lot of thinking and a lot of, okay, you know, like what, what did it feel like when my deadlift worked and what were the things that I focused on? And, and it, it's not that different. You know, I, I kind of went back to some of those same things that I was doing back then. They, are maybe executed a little differently now, but the intent, uh, in terms of like the technique and the suit, um, seemed to be very similar to what I was doing back then. So I was just getting back to what I had been doing previously with my deadlift. Yeah. Right. Cool. So, I mean, I know that you, I I think you probably more approached me uh, about the idea or you kind of like had the idea or were the, you know, it it was your brainchild. Um, so what, you know, what made you think that, okay, like we should do an equipped lifting podcast podcast or like what, you know, was there something or like a, an experience or, or something that you heard or an interview that made you think like, you know, what would be good or like what is missing, you know, is there, is there, was there an experience like that that kind of led you here or what? Yeah. I, I actually heard you on a podcast, I think, and I can't remember it was, um, I can't remember whose podcast it was. Was it, uh, 
uh, Omar and uh, was it uh, Iron Culture? I think it might have been. Okay. You yeah. and Natalie and and Mike. Mike, yeah. I think yeah. you guys are. You had a discussion about quit powerlifting, and yeah. I was like, man, like I really enjoyed listening to this. So I think we need more of this. Um, I think there's there's such a history, and and you know I think there's a lot of misinformation out there about equip lifting, mm-hmm. um, and I think getting more information out there would be good. And beyond that, there's just a lot of really good equipped lifters in the IPF and in other federations, obviously as well. Um, yeah. But you know, just looking inside of our playground, there's there's a lot of lifters that don't get, I would say, the mainstream uh, re- requests to get their name out there because you know they're not in the classic realm, right? right. Which is is fine. I understand classic has a, a wide base of of support and and that's great. But you know, there's there's a lot of lifters that I wanted to kind of get a chance to sit down and talk equip lifting with and mm-hmm. and so I thought this might be an interesting um outlet. Cool. Yeah. Um and I, I think for myself it's almost like a little bit of a foil to that in terms of um, I think there's a lot of excitement in in where equip lifting is heading now. Um, for me, as somebody who's recently transitioned over into equip lifting, um, and and starting to learn a lot about the sort of the storied history and and a lot of the the you know things that have come before, um, but also seeing you know there's a number of junior lifters in equipment uh, or a number more than there have been over the last few years. I think it's safe to say. Um, so to see that interest now starting to grow again, um, and you know, maybe it'll never surpass raw. I mean, I I don't really care, but, uh, you know, I think the fact that there is a growing interest and there are people who are starting to, to do this and fall in love with it for the same reasons you and I once did. Um, I think that it's, it's cool to try to explore that and figure out what people's motivations are. Um, because I think a lot of times when you hear that, it maybe makes it more relatable and makes, you know, that person who's on the fence, maybe take the plunge. So right. I guess that's, that's, that's part of my hope with it. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I don't want this be ever be a <clears throat> classic or raw versus equipped lifting. It's not, Agreed. that's not my goal. I think, yeah. I think the goal is just to, to chat about equipped and get more information about it out there. Yeah. Um, and just help to promote people to, to give it a try and not dismiss it as, you know, something that's totally different or, um, you know, cheating or cheating. whatever you want to yeah. say. Right. You know, um, I hate, I hate the analogy. Like I think you used, uh, you said something earlier about, uh, uh, like stock cars or something like that. When you're talking about, um, running, you know, high, high, high octane race fuel or something for yeah. equipped lifting. And I think that's a really good way to look at it. Right. Um, you know, you can put any, any person can sit into, in a car with a thousand horsepower and, they can grab the steering wheel and hit the gas pedal and see what happens. Yeah. But, um, if you don't have the experience, you don't have the skills, then, you know, it's probably not going to go very well. Yeah. Uh, not speaking from any kind of experience, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's the same thing with, you know, anyone could throw on a tight suit or a tight shirt and there's this big belief out there that you just throw a tight shirt on, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And, uh, I think the, the learning you've gone through recently and, that I've still going through is that, mm-hmm. you know, there's such a, a skill component to it all that, yeah. which is so much, so much of the interest to it, right? That, that tweaking and learning and, Oh, if I tuck my elbows or I think about this or I cue this, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so, 
so interesting in that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, we're going to wrap that episode there. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, thanks for listening. I hope it was interesting to you. Going forward, our plan is to release a new episode every two weeks and to feature a guest on each episode. If you have any questions for us or topics you'd like to see us cover, uh, send us an email at equippedbruisetired at gmail.com. Or if you have an idea for a guest you'd like us to bring on, send us an email or leave a comment below. And uh, we'll do our best to fulfill all the questions and uh, requests going forward. Uh, So thanks for tuning in and listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one.